You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hi guys, you're very welcome along to episode 66 of the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. And Colin, we're now into training camp. Enjoying yep. it so far? Yeah, DJ, the anticipation is really getting hotted up for the season. You can see it as you watch. I was watching the NFL Network over the weekend and picking up some little bits of inside the training camp stories and that and really feel the anticipation in the air as we get closer to week one of the NFL season. Only a few weeks away now from the those preseason games and not too long now to the real stuff starts. So really excited about the upcoming season and you can see on Twitter and you know, all the talk around uh, the NFL that everyone's starting to really get excited for the upcoming season. We've talked our way through the off-season and filled ourselves in with little bits of kind of small stories here and there to try and fill in the void. But now we're really getting filled up with some hot news topics and it'll continue as we move towards the season. And of course, once the action starts, it'll be at a frantic pace for the rest of 2014. Yeah, Colm, it really is going to be quite a frantic pace and thankfully we're lucky enough over here in Ireland that we have the Crow Park Classic coming up at the end of August so that will give us a week before the NFL season kicks off getting us back into the American football swing of things. As you mentioned, the college game coming up at Crow Park last week's guest, Coach George O'Leary from UCF was on to talk about that game and you know, there's so much stuff coming up and we're getting so much coverage of the game. The Irish American Football Association playoffs are in full swing and so much stuff going on over here to keep us excited about the game, but we're really getting into the the meat of it all, into the NFL season coming up. And as we start the show, uh, our guest on today's show will be Jim Everett. I know we mentioned at the end of last week's show we'd also be joined this week by JJ Burden, but between ourselves and JJ, we had some schedule and conflicts trying to get the thing set up. So we're talking to JJ this upcoming week, and he'll be on for next week's show. But Jim Everett's our guest this week, former NFL quarterback, played in the league for 12 seasons and true for over 200 touchdowns in the National Football League. So he'll be coming up very shortly on the show, DJ, to give us some of his career insight into the NFL. And on today's show as well, DJ, we've been building up for the last few weeks, but finally we've done our draw. We've narrowed down the contestants and going to be announcing the successful entrance into the Overtime Ireland Redraft Fantasy Football League, which we're getting going in the coming weeks. The draft will be coming up for that, and later on towards the end of the show we'll be announcing the lucky participants in that, and thanks to everyone who shared their interest in it over the last few weeks. As always, DJ, the housekeeping has to be taken care of. Everyone knows our site, that's Overtime Ireland. Everyone knows our Twitter handle. Hopefully at this stage, if you don't, and your first time on the show, thanks for coming along. Our Twitter handle is at Overtime Ireland. Please do give us a follow if you're on Twitter. Our pals over at Last Word on Sport there on Twitter too. It's at Last Word on Sport. They cover all sports for you on their website. Fantastic website they have there covering a wide range of topics in sports. You can also find the Overtime Ireland podcast on there. It's lastwordonsport.com. They have some fantastic writers on the site and highly encourage you to go and check them out. That's lastwordonsport.com. They're doing a fantastic job of helping us spread the word of Overtime Ireland. Overtime Ireland as well, we mentioned last week, we're getting a little upgrading in the next few weeks and definitely before week one of the NFL season, we're going to have a new site up. It's going to be ready for your tablet, ready for your mobile device and also ready for your laptop, PC, whatever you want to look up the site on. New writers on board and obviously we have the old writers coming back in as well. So exciting time and we're going to be starting to ramp up some of the articles on the site. A few new guys coming along in the past week again and we're putting new writers on the site each and every week. So anyone interested in writing on Overtime Ireland, do get in touch. Best thing to do is hit us over with an email at overtimeireland.gmail.com if you're interested in writing on the site. So DJ, we'll go into the OTI Red Zone now. After that we'll have a bit of NFL news and we'll be announcing those fantasy football entrants and maybe we'll talk a little bit of nonsense to go along with it. But let's start the show off in high-octane fashion and let's get on 
Former NFL quarterback Jim Everett, let's get him in the red zone right now. The OTI Red Zone, presented by OvertimeIreland.com. Joined now on the Overtime Ireland Football Podcast by Jim Everett. Jim is a former NFL quarterback, played for 12 seasons in the league for the LA Rams and New Orleans Saints and finished up with the San Diego Chargers. And It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show now, Jim. Colin, it's so good to be with you. Thanks for having me. No problem. We've been trying to arrange this for quite some time, but it's, a, it's great to finally get to talk with you and many questions to talk about your career, so looking forward to getting straight into it. I'll try to give you straight input. You know, I, uh, no twists at all. Just straight <laughs> input. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, started off, you were selected by the Houston Oilers in the 1986 draft, third overall pick and the first quarterback taken that year. You were unable to work out a contract agreement with the Oilers and they then traded you to the LA Rams. Something now that wouldn't happen now with the current rookie wage scale and the collective bargain agreement that was finalised a few years back. But what was it like trying to come to that agreement with the Oilers, and what were some of the maybe the the issues that arise that didn't make it work out for you there in Houston? Yeah, Colin, I'll try to make this as uh, quick as I can because uh, you know Bo Jackson was taken taken first, and then a guy named Tony Casillas had a nice career down in Atlanta, then been with second. And then uh, Houston had to pick third, and then the the pick fourth was in the Indianapolis Colts. I actually had an agreement with the Indianapolis Colts before that draft even started because they needed a quarterback. And I don't know if you remember a guy named Warren Moon yeah. was quarterbacking down in Houston. Now, he just came from the CFL. So we had all indications that we were going to be drafted by the Indianapolis Colts, not the Houston Oilers. Uh, the Houston Oilers ended up wanting – to, uh, they went to Indianapolis and said, we're going to take Everett, we want your fullback. So there was kind of a, it was kind of a hostage situation because yeah. I was like, I, I, being from Purdue is 60 miles away from Indianapolis. I really wanted to go to Indianapolis and kind of stay hometown. And But Houston decided to pull the trigger and draft me. So, I mean, everybody has their tactical stuff uh, that they do, but um, uh, Houston was going to, they wanted me to, to the contract that they gave me was uh, just basically uh, for a backup quarterback and with all these incentives. But the incentives, I doubt I would ever play with Warren Moon being a rookie. Yeah. So the, I didn't have many much choice but to hold out. And um, and then there's a lot. There's some fun stories in between uh, me getting to the Rams, but um, but it was it was a my first eye opening experience on how the NFL works as far as. You know, you're you're being drafted, and you know when you when you get drafted, you it's like kind of like you go to war, but you you don't know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. The, so you thought you were going to Indianapolis? Um, the Oilers were kind of holding them hostage then, almost to try and get as much out of them as they could for your services. So you know, maybe just you said they wanted the fullback, but they wanted to improve their team, and they were holding them hostage. But the the Oilers yeah, went ahead and took, they went ahead and took you anyway. You've seen the situation there with Warren Moon and didn't think as a rookie you would play too much. So it was more down to then they weren't going to be playing you much in the, obviously, your third overall pick. You want to get a good contract, and they weren't offering you the, the relevant contract for that. Well, they were, they were. I can tell you this. Houston was offering me one-half the contract I had set with Indianapolis. So I, I thought to myself, why do I want to take a pay cut getting picked one yeah. pick ahead? So... I, as a as a as a as a person, and it didn't make sense to me, and I was willing to hold out for the year. I had a job with uh, with Chrysler lined up, and you know if they were just going to sit on me, and then they they finally traded me. Um, but there were some other teams in, in between, and it makes for a good story. But 
maybe I'll write a book on. But it's 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 really funny. You know, so when I when I see the NFL players and they do get traded and they do get moved around, it's not all because the players being greedy. Sometimes the team the team have has different um, you know ideas of what they want to have happen as well. Yeah, and I mentioned what the collective bargain agreement now is kind of set out so the team has to offer the player kind of that set terms and that's the way it goes. But you mentioned there you had a job set up with Chrysler if it didn't work out uh, and you had to set the year out. How close was it to having to set the whole season out uh, before you got that trade to the Rams? Well, during the third week of the season is when they would stop the training. There's a trading deadline. And I did not get traded till uh, I think almost the I went and saw the second game of the season, so yeah, I, I was a week away from having to uh, you know have to sit out the season. It must have been frustrating for you at that time as well. Well, I, I you know it, it, I, I knew that I wanted to play. I, I had every intention of wanting to play. I went even down to Houston for three months, and that you know, was frustrating when you know it was it was someone else's call other than your own um i wanted to play i didn't i wanted to play for whatever was fair but yet i never had gotten a fair offer at that point so i was like hey i just want to have a fair offer yeah and you mentioned as well you know there was another a number of teams involved uh and between that whole situation but you eventually went to the rams were you happy that the the la was the destination that you arrived at oh absolutely here i'm going to a playoff team i mean how many guys get picked in the top top of the draft and going to a winning football team? It yeah, usually doesn't have to happen that way. So, um, yeah, I was going to a well-established team, uh, a team with Eric Dickerson, with uh, good receivers. Yes, I was like, very ecstatic. You mentioned it was a playoff team, and you went to the playoffs with them in 1986, 88, and 89, and you made it all the way to the NFC Championship game in 1989. Two of those years down in L.A., you led the league for touchdowns throwing. Uh, how did you enjoy those years down in L.A. after you did get that trade? I'm sure you enjoyed it. Oh, I very much enjoyed it. I mean, there's something about winning that's all, you know, the quarterback gets a lot more credit for the winning than is deserved. I mean, there's, there's some there's some aspects of it, but, you know, you still have to have a good team. You have to have a good defense. You have to... You know, I really appreciated the value of a good defense and a good offensive line after, um, you know, those positions during, during our next draft didn't get replenished like the quality of guys we had before. And I'm not saying anything bad about our players. They just weren't Pro Bowl players um, that we had, you know, prior. When you were with the Rams as well, uh, Flipper Anderson was one of the wide receivers you had there, and you helped him set the NFL record for receiving yards in a game. He caught 15 passes for 336 yards. Do you think that record will ever be broken? And what was it like playing in that game? It must have been kind of surreal, him catching all those passes. Well, <laughs> it was an interesting game. We were, um, let me set this up. We're playing the New Orleans Saints. And my number one receiver is Henry Ellard at the time. And Henry Ellard had hurt his hamstring uh, the week before. And so Flipper, Flipper gets the start. Um at least at the X position, and Flipper was a Z position. So he moves over to the X, and, uh, you know, I really didn't know what to think. I mean, at first of all, I was kind of panicking that, you know, my number one receiver is out. <laughs> I'm playing against, you know, the number one defense in the league or one of the top defenses in the league, and, and I knew we were going to have to throw to get get beyond him. But um, in that game, um you know, I was sacked six times, rushed a bunch of times. The score was, I think, 
14 to nothing. And we had like four minutes left in the game. <laughs> and uh, it just turned into the flipper show. <laughs> it was like, all right, their pass rushers are now tired, so we, we could get back there. And, and Flipper just did a job against these, these guys. I remember one time throwing in double coverage and just knowing he's going to come up with the ball. So he was in the zone. I think his record will um, will constantly will stay. That's that's just, but who knows? You know, there's some really really good receivers out there, and uh, you know, it was almost uh, um, Calvin Johnson almost almost took it out yeah, last he was year. Close. So yeah, yeah I, you never know. You, you, I think there's more passing in the league right now, and and uh, I would I would take the odds that every every passing record is you know open to be broken. Yeah, it's great to see when a quarterback is 300 yards in a game, but for a wide receiver, it uh, really is something else. And uh, <laughs> it stood for quite some time. It, uh, it might uh, it might never be broken. But when you were down there in L.A. as well, um, you know, playing in L.A., obviously then the Rams have moved since to St. Louis. Do you think there mm-hmm. should be a franchise in L.A. again? No, there will be definitely a franchise in L.A. again. A lot of talk about it recently. Um, well, the, the, the economics of, of football have to deal with stadiums. Yeah. Let's just let's just cut through the chase and the whole thing. So, uh, Colin, what what happens are if you have a stadium and it produces more revenue than some of the other stadiums around the country, you're going to get a team. The only thing is that stadiums cost about a billion dollars to build. <laughs> <laughs> if we get over that hurdle, then I don't. I think that there are probably a couple teams that are ready to get out of their contract. Yeah. One being. I think the San Diego Chargers uh, are wanting a new stadium, but San Diego can't build one. I think uh, Mike Davis up there in, uh, with the Raiders, with Oakland, I think they're looking for a new stadium. So it's just the fact that, you know, can they, and California's not, you know, forking out a billion dollars to build a stadium, so it might be, have to be private. Yeah, so I think if they build it, they'll get two, I think they'll get two teams. Yeah, it's a huge chunk of change. Like, and maybe as you mentioned there, maybe it'll have to be something like two teams go to play in one stadium or something like that. They'll have to come up with some sort of agreement. But uh, it's just just the money is the the main issue. But I think it's crying out for a team there at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you look at the you got three hundred sixty five days in the year, right, or three whatever you want to say. Yeah. And if you have one team, you know, you, you and, and let's say they're playing eighteen games, and you know, you have nine home games. Yeah. So. You're going to spend a billion dollars for 365 days for nine home games. I mean, there's 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 a bunch of other there's get my math right. At 350 some more days, you got to fill that stadium with to do something. So to get your return of your billion. So that's why I think another team would go there. I think you could get UCLA, which is a college yeah. to play there. Um, maybe even a USC. Even you know, I, I really think that you could you have to really fill it up with, and it have to be downtown. Los Angeles to make it work. So, anyways, those are kind of the the elements that they're looking at is making sure they get the most um, use out of it and commitment by all these teams. You continue to be pro- productive and uh, and recognition for that in your time down there. You ended up going to the Pro Bowl in nineteen ninety one. How was the experience of the Pro Bowl for you? And did you see it kind of as a you know a recognition of what you had done in all the years since the start of your career? Well, yeah, I was. Uh, it was the best. I mean, I really was an experience where I finally got to see the top, top of the game. And each one of these guys were the leaders of the team. And I was blessed to be there. Um, it was, uh, 
it was a it was a great experience handing the ball off to you know all pro players like Emmett Smith and you know just the quality of the play was just was phenomenal. I know, and I went in 1991 and actually um, was invited in 1990, but turned it down. Um, and I really wish at this point in my life that I, I looked back on would have accepted the 1990 as well. But I was dealing with a little bit of a back injury at the time. Yeah, but can be a long oh, season then and. You mightn't want to just go straight into another game, even though it is a. It's well, it, it was a bit more serious back then. But you know, if you're coming into it with an injury, you're thinking about the following year. Well, yeah, and it was a contract year, so it was. You know, I, I didn't want to, you know, continue playing injured, which yeah. I was doing anyway. So uh, I needed some time off. But there, um, it was probably one of the highlights of my life playing playing out there with with my peer. You know, with the with the Pro Bowl guys. I look back on it and. You know what a blessing for you to be recognized, or anybody that plays a game as one of the top players um, in their profession, because those guys are the best in the world. You had a kind of a little bit more of a tougher year in 1993. You finished with eight touchdowns in ten games, uh, season, not playing the whole season. But the following off season, you moved down to New Orleans with the Saints. In the next two years with the Saints, your season touchdown totals were 22 and 26. Did you feel? you know, a need for a fresh start and going to the Saints, did it give you that? And how hard was it then to adjust to that new playbook? You seem to pick it up fairly quick. Yeah, the the end of the Rams career was was interesting. They brought in a, a fellow named Chuck Knox who had been there before, a real run-oriented guy, real, um, you wanted to, um, and, you know, I just felt, um, I just felt like, uh, you know, they were, they were going through a youth movement um, as far as, you know, Getting rid of all the old guys and you know changing things up, and it was it was really that was a, that was probably my most mentally tough season leaving the Rams, um, but yet I know I needed to leave them because it was uh, they were going in a, a different direction and they and they just frankly they there wasn't a lot of they, they, you know as far as the talent I mean it shows the the Rams in the nineteen nineties lost the most games of any <laughs> of any team in the NFL I mean they they were really struggling. So as a quarterback, again, we get, get give credit for wins and losses. Yeah. It was very difficult to uh, to be a part of that and know that you know, it wasn't going to get any better. Yeah, if you stayed, it was going to be more of the same. You know, it was it was a mutual understanding that I needed to go. <laughs> <laughs> I I was begging, and uh, you know, I went down to New Orleans Saints, and they had an offensive coordinator named Carl Smith, and he's just a wonderful human being, and. Uh, yeah, I, I liked what he what he did. He, he brought in a lot of the West Coast stuff and uh, had his own uh, own stuff. Matter of fact, if we want to um, look at some of the stuff he does, Bruce Arians, yeah. uh, who now is the head coach of the Cardinals, he was our tight end tight end coach and then became offensive coordinator later on. So he was kind of he helped Bruce get you know some of the basics down what what he has, and so uh, um, just just a phenomenal guy. Uh, we had a pretty good. Pretty good offense. Uh, you know, it seems like our, our defense, uh, Pat Swellings and the uh, Sam Mills, they all retired at the wrong time. I needed them to play a few more years. <laughs> <laughs> they decided to pack it on. They packed it up. I'm like, oh, this was the best defense in the NFL, and they're packing it up. Like, what the heck? <laughs> you talked about Chuck, or, uh, Bruce Arians there. When uh, Chuck Pagano was out a few years ago, we've seen all the kind of dynamic stuff he helped provide with Andrew Luck and then we've seen the improvement in the offense up in with the Cardinals last year so you know he had a long road to get into that position but you're mentioning there he got a good foundation when he was down in New Orleans 
Oh yes, and he was he was a, uh, a very quarterback friendly coach. I, I remember uh, at, at, during our third year down in New Orleans, and Jim Mora were, was released, and we had uh, another release call. Bruce became offensive coordinator, and Bruce, uh, gosh, he was such a he's like you know he, we would sit down in meetings and you know what do you want to run? How do you want to run it? I mean, he was very open, very friendly. wanted wanted the um, one of the input from the quarterback, and I and I see the same thing that he did with Ben's Rosenberger up in Pittsburgh. I mean, he really wants to try to take a quarterback's talent and build on it, and yeah. Bruce does that so well. And you know, I mean, I look at I look at the Arizona Cardinal team last year. I mean, how how many teams go eleven and five and don't make the playoffs? Yeah, they were I mean, that's in incredible. There. <laughs> it's just that it's just that divi- the division they're in too. Like the, this year again, it's going to be a tough struggle for them to make it, but. Yeah, it, it's a very, very tough division, but it's the type of football that uh, I think they all could be proud of. In your career, you ended up uh, with some great stats, 203 touchdowns in your career, touchdown passes, uh, 25th all-time, and almost 35,000 passing yards. You know, you've some you've some great stats down through it, but um, have you a favorite memory from all the all the events in your career? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, a, Colin, there, there's no doubt that you know, throw 203 touchdown passes is memorable, and uh, but it seems like it comes down to me throwing one reporter, and it, it gets more publicity. <laughs> I seen that. I didn't know whether to take it up or not. <laughs> ah, yeah, that is so funny. So it's a, it's like you know, here you go through establishing years of career, and one little reporter you have a little, little, little fuss with, and it's, and it's remembered, you know, forever. But I think that's so funny because it was, you know, a point in time where. I, mean, I was going through some, you know, you know, changes, and and uh, a fellow was, you know, calling me a tennis player's name, and uh, you know, it was, it was, it was really, really funny. I think most yeah. people in that uh, same situation would have done exactly what you done, so I have to give you credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm only, I'm only a normal human being. Yeah. People forget that about uh, sportsmen, and uh, th- forget that you know they they have feelings too. I think if I was you, I would have done the exact same thing. So I have, I have no problem well, with that. <laughs> it was, it was. Uh, uh, I was just going down in New Orleans, and the people in New Orleans had no problem with it either. So, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, you know, I looked back on that, and I, I wouldn't have changed the thing, you know. Uh, but I, I, I remember one of the things football-wise, and going back to your question, when we were playing the New York Giants, and we were going, we went into overtime in the playoffs. And you realize we just beaten the Philadelphia Eagles, who are very, very talented football team. And we come play the the Giants, which are really, really a strong team as well. We played them to overtime, and then they decided to blitz. And you know, I think Belichick's the um, the defensive coordinator at the time, and we kind of knew at some point in time he's going to try to knock us out of field goal range, and so we anticipated the blitz. And uh, Flipper Anderson converted his post into a fade route, and he caught the ball and kept running through the tunnel. And the game's over, and we beat him at you know at New York Stadium. <laughs> I think at that point that was so gratifying because if you've ever played a game in New York, they absolutely verbally abuse you yeah. <laughs> before the game, during the game, the whole, and then to walk off the field and watch all those people that were just you know just. Um, saying Couldn't everything say about that. your mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's quieting them down a little bit. Yeah, it was it was icing on the cake. That was I'll never forget that. 
Did he come back out the tunnel after scoring it, or did he just stay in the tunnel? <laughs> oh no, he went right to the locker room. Scored, boom, done. <laughs> Straight to the shower. <laughs> he, he had the, he had the ball. <laughs> Another thing with your career, uh, you faced many great uh, defensive players, obviously. You talked about the New Orleans defence at the time being one of the best defences in the league. But had you a tough, who was the toughest defensive player? Was there one that stuck out in particular that you kind of thought, oh man, I don't want to face this guy? Well, yeah, there was, there was guys you would have to change your entire game plan. And there was two specifically. One was Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor uh, played for the New York uh, Giants. Yeah. He would, he, we actually, wherever he lined up, we made sure our tight end was over. I mean, you had to make sure that he didn't have a free run at the quarterback. He was just that good. And, you know, he still caused havoc. The other player that you had to game plan against, um, well, there's really two guys, but Reggie White would have to be it. From the Packers? Um, from the Packers. Yeah. Reggie White, and, you know, when he had Jerome Brown there, it was tough to you know, double-team Reggie all the time, and then Jerome would just bulldoze over whoever had single blocking again. So that comment, Reggie Reggie White, and the other one would be uh, Bruce Bruce Smith. Those those three guys, especially LT, Reggie White, and then Bruce Smith. I can remember one time we had a rookie center. This is in the early 90s. We had a rookie center, and Bruce decided to come play nose tackle. On the snap of the ball, he hurdles the center and has me before I'm like one step back. <laughs> no time. <laughs> it was like Superman. He was like some sort of cat just jumping over, and uh, and and the, the center had no clue that he's already over the top of. Him. Yeah, no chance I mean, there. I mean, how many times do you see a 290 pound man act like a cat like that? I mean, it was just these guys are freaks. Yeah, so you just named three of the kind of all time greats there, so. I have a bit of sympathy for you when you were facing those guys. It was bound to be extremely tough. Well, yeah. Well, you just knew where they were. <laughs> <laughs> you had one eye on them at all your, times. Yeah, it can, it can play with your focus, but you have to. Uh, and I think that's part of what Ernie Zampezi, you know, they had to make sure that, hey, if we're going to have an issue or there's a problem, let's try to solve it up front so we can, you know, try to, you know, pick on the guys downfield. You know, the hardest part is... You know, when you're starting to play against a team like the 49ers, who had a you know Charles Haley, they had you know a Ronnie Lott, and then they had you know linebackers, a Kenya Turner. They had it was tough. It was tough at that point to say, okay, we're going to take this thing away, but then they still have the answer with two other guys that are pretty darn good. That yeah. that was the issue, and that, I think that's what the current 49ers pose to other teams as well. Yeah, similar with the Seahawks, you kind of you're trying to take one away, but it's giving them an advantage then in another position. Oh my gosh! You now look at Houston when they're going to have this uh, JJ and now Clowney down there. That's you know it's going to cause nightmares for these uh, quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're glad that you, I'm sure you're glad that you're not having a plan for them. <laughs> huh? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and you know now I, I plan on uh, you know uh, what I'm doing is I'm doing flag football with some young young guys, and you know we don't have to. You know, worry about that. We just spread them out. You know, we don't worry about the rush as much. <laughs> you mentioned you finished up your career uh, down in San Diego with the Chargers, but uh, since retiring and moving away from the Chargers, you started your own asset management business, the Jim Everett Company, and it's a company that deals with asset management. Uh, how have uh, how has the transition been for you away from the game? Well, right as soon as I got done out of the game, I actually went back and got my masters. Right, and uh, so that was the first thing is I want to take you know. 
a couple of years just to kind of air out and see exactly what I wanted to do. And then I started my investment business. Um, it's been, it's been an interesting, you know, anybody that's been in investments between 2000 and now, it's been a wild ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, as you could, you know, from your country as well. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of economics. Yeah. Um, and, um, a little hesitant these days. So really, I think the central banking has played uh, a role, but sometimes I wonder if they played too much of a role. Um, I'll go out on a limb right now, and I have all my clients in cash, and I can tell you that publicly. Um, might not be the right decision, but it's a decision that makes us sleep at night. So that's what we're that's what we're doing right this minute, and uh, it, it's been uh, interesting strategies that we that we get to implement, but it doesn't happen, you know, on four downs. Yeah. It happens, it happens in four years, sometimes four days. <laughs> <laughs> Just depends what's going on. Right. And anyone that's uh, interested in finding out more about that can go to the Jim Everett company.com's official website for that, Jim. And uh, I urge all the listeners to go and check you out on Twitter. It's Jim underscore Everett. That's E V E R E T T well worth a follow on there and you can catch up with all the stuff Jim's got going on but it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you Jim and uh, maybe we'll talk to you again down the line yeah I, hey I really appreciate it. if anybody ever has any questions for me or, or want anything feel free to hit me with a Twitter and I'll uh, I'll usually respond to most of that and Colin I really appreciate you taking the time to, to yell uh, you know yell at me and I hope the football leagues over there are going great because it is a fun game yeah it's really really developing over here and the coverage off the national football league and of course there's a couple of leagues starting up here anyway as well amateur league so it's all developing great over here and uh, thanks once again for coming on to talk to us you bet hey everybody i'm adam rank of nfl.com and nfl fantasy live and you are listening to overtime ireland football podcast perhaps nope i will declare it number one the greatest podcast out of ireland so that was jim everett former quarterback played with the rams for the majority of his career and fantastic guy to talk with really enjoyed talking with him and really down to earth fella and some very interesting points he made talked about being the quarterback to throw to flipper anderson for the game when which he recorded the most yards by a wide receiver in an nfl game over 300 yards for flipper anderson some of his other stories very interesting and a man that threw for over 200 touchdowns dj in the nfl 203 to be exact and really enjoyed having him on yeah colin great interview with jim there and it's always Great to get the insight of quarterbacks and what goes through their head and that when they're taken to the field and particularly the experience of Jim Everett who threw so many touchdowns and had such a long career in the NFL. Yeah, as you mentioned, 12 years in the league, quite a long career. We've had a few quarterbacks on over the time on the podcast, uh, almost a year now, DJ, in the podcasting business. Uh, a lot of fun through those times. A couple of quarterbacks on, always good to get different perspectives. We had on Ernest Biner a few weeks ago, former Super Bowl winning running back, and it's good to get all these positions. We've had a number of defensive players on over the, the time, and uh, just getting so many perspectives from all around the league, and including past and former players, and including some current players. So it's great getting all that different perspective. We had Delaney Walker on a few weeks ago to talk about playing as a tight end in the league. So any of them interviews maybe you haven't heard, uh, be sure and go back and check them. Just check up on the website, go to the podcast page, and you'll be able to, if you are subscribed, just go and toggle down through the page, and you'll be able to pick up that there, press play, and of course, continue to enjoy the Overtime Ireland Football Podcast. And speaking to you, off enjoying the podcast. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed. Thanks for everyone who's listening. Keep spreading the word and 
other ways to help us include listening on multiple devices or just click play subscribe on them devices and it'll automatically download keeps pushing up the numbers of the overtime ireland podcast and thanks again for your continued support so dj that's jim everett you can follow him on twitter it's jim underscore everett that's e-v-e-r-e-t-t be sure and check him out give him a follow and tell him the guys from overtime ireland sent you tell him you enjoyed listening to his thoughts on the interview and thanks once again to jim for coming on the show so, DJ, let's move in now to some of the training camp NFL news. NFL news. So, DJ, there's a lot of news this week in the NFL. Obviously, with training camp starting up, things are getting heated. What topics do you want to throw at me to talk a little bit about the news? Well, Colin, I'm going to start off with two of my favourite topics of the week in terms of training camp. And the first is the great news that Rob Gronkowski has advanced on to half speed in 11 on 11 workouts and hopefully by week one he'll be at full speed and going hard in the NFL and getting many touchdowns for the Patriots throughout the season and Uh, hopefully staying fit. Yeah and let's also mention that it's no surprise DJ picking out some Patriots news, positive Patriots news and running with that to open the NFL news section so DJ they're uh, delighted with Gronk and I'm sure all Patriots fans will be delighted with that news that He's starting to up his game, getting back into full fitness, and that's a great sign for the Patriots DJ in general with him getting clearance so early, cleared by the doctors, and you know by the time preseason games start up, he should be going 100% and shouldn't be restricted at all. So great news there for the Patriots and going into the season. And Colin, just one more piece of news coming out of Patriots training camp, and I promise for all the other fans of teams in the <laughs> AFC East, I'll not mention the Patriots too much in the rest of the podcast. But this is also something that will be of great interest to the defences of all the AFC East teams in particular. And that is cornerback Brandon Browner caused a legion of boom moment at the Patriots training camp as he depleted, yes you heard me, depleted, rookie running back James White. So New York Jets, Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills running backs have that to look forward to this season. So hopefully they have their cleats tied quite well to their feet yeah not good news DJ for your rookie running back there hopefully he's okay but hopefully ties his laces the next time getting knocked out of your shoes is bound to be not too much fun but good news there and a very physical player coming over there from the Seahawks and taking a little bit of that flavor into the Patriots defense and you also have his partner in crime is going to be Darrell Rivas so looking positive there for the secondary in Patriots land and just DJ when we're on the AFC East talking about that division I've been looking up a little bit about that division over the last week or so and last week we talked about ryan Tannehill on the podcast and we're kind of going through stuff are you also did you retweeted in the overtime ireland page a vine video of sammy watkins making a quite a one-handed grab in the end zone so that's something i'm sure you're looking forward to not seeing against the patriots this season but lots of little positives coming from around that division but the jets in particular um we're starting to get a little bit of a feeling towards them this season and you know improving i think there's some competition in the team and i think they'll get slightly better this year but some more news coming out for the Jets in relation to two of their rookies. Yeah, injuries happen quite regularly in training camps and Calvin Pryor has been suffering from concussion this week and tight end Jace Amaro has had a, what the NFL website describe as a nagging knee injury, which is, I suppose, quite worrying for Jets fans who would have been hoping to see him make his way into their team this season, whether it's going to be something that's going to they get away throughout the season or they might have it sorted out by the start of the season 
Yeah, dude, they're both injuries. You know, concussion, obviously, there's nothing you can do. You have to just rest and wait for the symptoms to go away, wait for any concussion symptoms to heal up and all. You know, there's not much you can do about that. It's always always worrying to see any players getting concussions, but with the protocols now, I'm sure that'll be dealt with in a sufficient manner by the Jets. But, you know, you want your rookies getting all the snaps at training camp that they can get. They need to get them reps to, you know, be able to go into the game play at a high level. You need that mental you know agility maybe we'll call it as they get more focused it's one thing to read the plays know the plays but when you go out there you have to be able to do the plays physically on the field and stepping up from the college game to the nfl can be quite a leap for some players so you know it's disappointing for the jets fans will be hoping that they get back on the field as soon as possible you mentioned amaro a big guy there tight end a lot of weight going on that knee and he'd want that joint to be healed up but you know with him being a rookie trying to learn so much and you know, there's nothing guaranteed in the NFL. I know I don't expect him to be cut or anything, but, you know, you have to be out there getting those snaps and pressing to get, make sure you're getting your spot on the roster, getting your spot in the depth chart a little bit higher up maybe than the next guy down. Everyone's in competition here, and any players missing out in snaps uh, is never good for them in the NFL. But we'll see with um, Jason Morrow and Calvin Pryor that, you know, they'll probably... I don't think Amaro will miss any training camp sessions. I think it's just more of a niggle and knee injury. And I think a lot of players probably have niggles. But you don't want to have them this early in the season. Maybe later in the season you'll be playing through pain. You don't want to have it just the first week of training camp. So there'll be a lot of injuries, DJ, in training camp. We'll be talking about some of them coming up. But I remember around this time last year, Brian Belaga got a knee injury. Missed the whole season for the Packers. was a, a huge blow. And you know David Bakhtiari came in and filled in admirably. But losing big players at this time of the year is just something that goes with the territory and such a physical game you know they get into those drills and can just take a toll on the body so hopefully we don't see too many more injuries but quite a few big ones so far already in training camp but Colin I have great news for New York Jets fans they seemingly have the best cornerback in the NFL and that's according to Dee Milliner who hasn't heard of Darrell Rivas Richard Sherman or Patrick or, Peterson or Brandon Browner but congratulations <laughs> D. Milner you are apparently the best cornerback in the NFL even better for the New York Jets Geno Smith expects to be a top 5 quarterback well DJ again just showing his true colours there going all out going dog on the Jets and I have to say though DJ D. Milner I uh, thought he had quite a few nice plays last season but going into his second year showing his confidence I always think it's a bit like a boxer you know boxer's never going to go in saying he's not going to win the fight and you have to have confidence in yourself. If you don't kind of believe in yourself, maybe nobody else will. So showing a belief in himself, he's hoping that he's improved in the off season. And you know, everyone wants to be that claim of the best player at their position in the league. And cornerback seems to be the one that everyone talks about. We hear Richard Sherman in it. We hear Darrell Rivas in it. So I'm looking forward to seeing who goes out there, DJ, this year and proves that they're the best. But you mentioned Geno Smith, top five, top five. I think stretching it a bit there from this upcoming season, second year in the league. I think. If he was top 10 at the end of the season, I think he'd be delighted with himself. And you're looking there, Vic too. I know they're saying that Gino's going to be the guy, but I still think there's a chance that Michael Vic can upset the stakes and become the starting quarterback, whether it's week one or whether it's a few games into the season. There's a lot of pressure on Gino Smith this season. We'll see how he steps up to the plate. Some players relish it. Some players kind of fade away and fall apart when the pressure's on. So we'll see how Gino does this upcoming season. We'll come for Gino Smith to become a top five quarterback in 2014 he really needs the players in front of him to protect him and for him not to be repeatedly sacked. Yeah, you also see, DJ, maybe, you know, you look at the weapons coming in, people will be talking about Chris Johnson maybe helping them at running back and, you know, over time it hasn't been perfect for Chris Johnson but maybe you make it a little bit less workload and maybe a little bit more ex- be a little bit more explosive this season. We'll see what happens there. 
Well, there's a lot of questions around the offense of the Jets, and you know the pieces he he had to throw to last year weren't all that impressive. This year, he's got Decker as one of his weapons, and a few other pieces have come in as well. You mentioned Jason tight end could be an improvement there. But uh, I think did you just go in that high up the league, like to be a top five quarterback in the NFL? You have Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck. Start to throw Tom Brady in there, Cam Newton. Throw all these guys in around the mix and. You know, there's a lot of play- players to get ahead of to get into that level. Philip Rivers last year was at that level. Andy Dalton will be hoping to get that level. Top five is a really, really high, you know, quality uh, amount of play in the NFL. And I think top ten would be a huge, huge step up for Geno Smith. And it's just something I don't see happening this year. But DJ mentioned I was having a little bit of a more positive feeling about the New York Jets. And if they go and challenge the Patriots for that division, maybe Geno will have to get to that their standard. So we'll see what happens. And... We'll probably move on to some other team now, DJ, before we turn into the AFC East podcast. Yeah, keep, keeping on the theme, keeping on the theme of quarterbacks in training camp, and Brian Hoyer has been taking all of the first team reps under center for the Cleveland Browns, and the NFL asked the question: How far behind is Johnny Football? So Brian Hoyer's taking all the first team reps for the Cleveland Manzels, and uh, maybe Johnny isn't too happy about it, but. <laughs> We'll see where they go. Obviously, the media coverage is sensational at the moment. They had thousands of people, DJ, at the first day of training camp, and you know they had to do a raffle, a lottery, to give away the tickets because they couldn't fulfil the amount of requests come in for tickets, and a lot of that's down to Johnny Manziel. Cleveland has got a huge boost over the last few weeks with Johnny Manziel being drafted, coming in there, selling the season tickets, not for the Browns, and then LeBron James in the NBA going back to the Cleveland Cavaliers. So Cleveland's got a real boost in the sports department, and... I uh, still expect Johnny Manziel to end up being the starting quarterback, whether it be week three or four or week one of the NFL season. But I think what you're going to see here, DJ, is higher starts preseason week one. Manziel get his snaps, and if Manziel can deliver in, tr- in preseason, I think we'll see him being the starting quarterback come week one. But you want to see him getting some reps. He's getting no reps at all, and Brian Hoyer's taking those reps. So he's coming back off an injury. He'll need them too, obviously, coming back off the injury. So. You know, it's a, you have to read into a lot of this, but I think it's not a good sign that Manziel isn't getting those reps. But I think the Browns are also trying to make sure that he's earning everything that he's getting. So the Browns fans, I don't know what way they think it. I'm sure if they're drafting him as a first-round pick, they want to see him on the field. But maybe they're right to give him a little bit of time. But I think all these quarterbacks, DJ, the only one that I realistically see maybe sitting out some of the season is Blake Bartles as he is allowed time to develop. I think Jacksonville is a long-term project and they're trying to go about things you know in a more calm composed manner but i think uh the majority of the rookie quarterbacks are going to start week one and i think dg another one you wanted to talk about coming up is teddy bridgewater and i expect him probably to be a starting quarterback too for the vikings but we'll talk about that when you get to it in a wee second but i mentioned there dj black bartles and the jags the jags over the weekend unveiled the largest video screens in a football stadium i think it might have been in the world certainly in uh, north america and quite a quite a sight taking up uh quite a large part of the stadium and i'm sure they're trying to get more fans in the stadium but uh the large tv screens i don't know how many fans it'll take in but certainly something that i wouldn't mind having out the front of my house to watch the games every sunday yeah calvin you made a very interesting comment there that blake bartles may be one of the only rookie quarterbacks that you see not starting week one i'm presuming you're on about the quarterbacks that went in round one because certainly certainly yeah jimmy garoppolo if you're listening, sorry to tell you, you're not starting week one or week two through to week 17. Yeah, I think, uh, DJ, you're hoping that. I know you're hoping to see Tom Brady back to something like his best this season. But, yeah, I think uh, I, I, the point I was making was kind of the, the first-round quarterbacks down to Bridgewater. You're looking at 
Bartles, Manziel, Bridgewater, those kind of quarterbacks, and maybe you could even go in a stretch and throw in Karen into that mix too down in Oakland. You're welcome. You may, like you said that I'm going to discuss Teddy Bridgewater and the Viking situation, and at the minute it looks to be one of the more tightly contested contest competitions for a starting place, and that's between Teddy Bridgewater and Matt Castle, who have pretty much split the reps between them. Yeah, both of them kind of going 50-50, and Castle last year times DJ played well. He came in, he played in that game that we seen them playing in Wembley Stadium against the Steelers and led them to victory in that, and had some nice spells throughout the season. Ponder then, on the other hand, didn't really impress all that much, and now you have Bridgewater coming in to try and challenge him, and I think it's good for the rookie quarterbacks to have to earn it, you know, don't just come in and straight off the presses be the starting quarterback so it gives them that bit of competition that element and you just want to see who who revels in that i mentioned that earlier some people will fall apart in competition some people respond by becoming stronger better players and we'll see what happens here for bridgewater if he doesn't perform straight away we'll see him sitting out some of the games at the start of the year maybe sitting out the season but long term i think he is the answer i still think that he was the best quarterback in this draft class and you know, coming out of college, I think he should have been the highest one taken. Had a bad pro day and that really, really set him down the boards. But I think he's happy with the fit he's got in Minnesota. And I do expect him to be quite a consistent player in the NFL. We just have to see whether he's the starter week one or if he has to wait a bit longer. And as training camp progresses, DJ will be able to talk about it more and more and more and more and more and more. And by the time week one comes around, we'll have a much better idea of these situations. Yeah, and finishing off the training camp element of our news roundup and that's one player that did turn up to training camp one player that didn't both were thought to be potentially holding out but andre johnson returned to the texans practice facility after a brief hiatus from the team were you surprised that andre johnson turned up at texans practice colin I wasn't surprised he turned up. I thought that he might hold out a little bit longer, but I thought from his point of view and from the team's point of view, I think it made more sense for him to come back. I don't think the team was backing down in this situation. One of the issues turned out to be during it that he was looking to get that million-dollar bonus that he left behind when he didn't turn up for the OTA. So he had missed out on that. He was hoping that they might allow him to pick that up, and then he would come back. But they said, no, no way, and obviously he had to come back in with his tail between his legs at 11 million dollars on the table this year DJ couldn't really just leave it sitting there there was no way he was going to sit out the Patriots were a team DJ mentioned with a trade and I know it was something that you probably would have enjoyed seeing him playing for the Patriots but when you look at the money involved and you know the dead money that would have been left for the Texans the amount of cap money would have been taken by the team that traded for him and with him being a little bit older you know the value that you'd have to give up so I think it made sense for him to come back and he's going to play this year the issue I have is you know, if he doesn't have a good year this year, there's a good chance they'll be cut next off season by them with the you know the cap numbers that they have are coming in the upcoming season. But I think for the Texans, it's great news to have him back, and I think for him it'll be good uh, to get himself back in the the mode of training, mode of being around the team. One of his things that he said when he came back was that he just loves playing football, and you know I'm sure he'll be excited to get back in the action. He's a player I like watching. He's always been a committed player. He's been a you know a good example for other professional footballers, particularly in the NFL, and. You know, this is the first time where he's ever really kind of went off the grid and done something like this. So I think, you know, at some stage he was always going to come back. And I think for the Texans, they'll be hoping that he can get some sort of a connection with Ryan Fitzpatrick if he does be the starter down there. <laughs> a lot of questions up in the air, DJ, on this podcast as to who the starters are going to be. But I think he'll start down there this upcoming season. And I think that was one of the main reasons that 
Andrew Johnson was disillusioned with the team. I think he thought they might have took a quarterback either in the first round or at the top of that second round. They didn't take it, and I think that's what has uh, kind of disappointed him overall in this process. Call him a player that didn't turn up to training camp and is currently, and I emphasise currently, is probably by the time we're halfway through to our next podcast. This may have changed, and that's Marshawn Lynch of the Seattle Seahawks has been placed on the reserve slash did not report list, which gives the Seahawks a roster exemption. Do you see a solution anytime soon, Colin? This is an interesting one, DJ, because Marshawn Lynch isn't a guy that likes the media attention. He doesn't like that spotlight. We've seen him around the Super Bowl. Didn't want to be interviewed, wanted just to stay to himself. He just says, it's all just about playing ball, bro. Like He just wants to be the man playing the game. He doesn't want any of the attention around it. And Obviously, this is bringing a lot of media attention to him, but he's looking to get paid. We see Jamal Charles, DJ, we'll be talking about in a minute, about the contracts that were redeveloped. He was another guy holding out, and obviously that didn't last long. The Chiefs knew that he's the guy they need to have, and they, they paid him the money quite quickly. But with Marshawn Lynch a little bit older, maybe the Seahawks, you know, there's been noise going around about some of their backups possibly ready to step up into the spot that he had and maybe wouldn't be getting as many snaps. And he wants to get a little bit more money for the upcoming season. And, you know, you can see so quickly. We've seen with players, you know, we didn't mention Kendall Hunter yet, DJ, got injured for the 49ers. And you see players like that there coming in, getting injured in training camp. They'll miss the whole season, possibly career-affecting injuries and so on and so forth. And, you know, you do know, Marshawn Lynch, he's just looking to get paid because if he comes, does if he goes in, doesn't get any extra money, gets injured tomorrow, that rules him out of getting any further extension. So you can see why he's sitting out. And this is one DJ that I really don't know how it's gonna how it's going to turn out. There's a number of players and teams very happy since our last podcast with deals being signed by three players. The Atlanta Falcons announced a three-year extension. For Roddy White, which keeps the veteran wide receiver under contract for the next four seasons. The deal is worth $30 million with escalators. And White now will earn just under $11 million this season. Not a bad deal, Colin. Yeah, great signing here, DJ, for the Falcons. Obviously, him and Julio Jones are, uh, you know, a very, very potent threat with uh, Matt Ryan throwing them the ball. And I think this is a big deal for them. And... It's a good direction the team's going, signing him up good and early, so a little bit more money for him, and I'm sure he's happy about that, but nothing much more DJ to say here other than the Falcons getting a, a good player tied down for a little bit longer, and of course we'll be seeing him in Wembley. Yeah, really looking forward to that game, and once the season starts, I suppose we'll start to look forward to it even more. Jamal Charles, Kansas City Chiefs All-Pro running back, struck a two-year extension on his deal. His contract is worth million in new money with an extra $5 million over the next two years. Yeah, DJ, now this is one that you're talking about a holdout. This is one that uh, the player really got what he wanted. Got a nice little boost in extra money. Wasn't getting paid as much as he was worth in his opinion and I think in the opinion of everybody in the National Football League, everyone that watches the game and everyone that knows anything about the NFL. So as a running back, he's a really, really great offensive weapon. Whether it be running the ball or catching the ball, he's really good out of the backfield when he gets you know those short screen balls from Alex Smith in the last season. He was, I would say, you'd have to say he was probably about seventy percent off the offense of the Kansas City Chiefs, and they got to the playoffs. So I think they really knew that they can't let this guy hold out. They need to get him into camp, and you want your best players around. So I don't think there was any way around this other than getting that deal signed. And he got a nice little slice of extra money, as I said earlier, DJ, with the Marshawn Lynch one. If Charles was to get injured now, he's still got that guaranteed money that's in this new contract, so 
he's helping himself in the long run and and we all know a lot of people around the NFL need to say the NFL stands for not far long so he just needs to get that money you need to get your guaranteed money and you need to look after your future and get your ducks in a row and try and save as much money as you can make as much money as you can so that's another thing that Jamal Charge has done in this situation and a lot of people were interested to see would he sign this deal would they would they sort it out with the holdout continuing obviously the holdout's not continuing now and a lot of people are interested in him because a lot of people project him to possibly the number one player in the, this year's fantasy drafts that'll be upcoming and certainly the number one running back I would say and talking to people with number one overall picks DGR Money League you actually have that number one overall pick so a little eye on Jamal Charge there he's going to be in another shout to get him my number one overall pick I know there's a number of players that are always in around the number one pick in most fantasy leagues so we'll probably be discussing it over the next few weeks and particularly as we get closer to the Overtime Ireland Redraft League. Yeah, DJ will be doing that draft in the upcoming weeks and we'll be announcing the guys in that draft in about maybe 5-10 minutes as we get close to the end of the podcast. So look forward to bringing you that shortly and there's DJ's phone beeping off. So that's a €100 fine for DJ on this podcast. And uh, that, yeah, well, there, that is payable to myself. So send that my well, way. Well, Colin, there's, there's a man that I'm sure may be willing to throw me $100 out of his back pocket for that. That's Jordy Nelson of the Green Bay Packers. I'm sure this story made you very happy. He signed a four-year extension with the Packers worth $39 million. Go Pack Go. With, with only $14.2 million guaranteed. Such a poor man he is. <laughs> you know, as you go on wide receivers, you're looking around the league, and you know I think they're still getting him here at quite a good deal. Uh, I think he's getting a lot more money, obviously, and he's happy with that. But from the Packers' point of view, they have to be delighted with the deal they've got him for and such a talented player I think he's still highly underrated if you look at the stats you know he's right up there with the best of them in the NFL and a player that I am delighted to see staying with the Packers long term one of the best in the NFL this position in my opinion does those sideline balls so well does the back shoulder fade with Aaron Rodgers so well they just have such a chemistry between them and I think he's an essential part of the team and I'm glad to see him sticking around in Green Bay and he seems to be a really good part of the morale of the team and work, helps out around Green Bay and so on so Really happy to see him, DJ. Can't say any more than I'm ecstatic about it, so <laughs> don't know what else you want me to say about a great player. Looking forward to seeing him dominate the NFL in the upcoming season. And when we're on Jordy Nelson, DJ, a question came in, and it was from one of the fellow Packers fans that follow us here on Twitter and listen to the podcast regularly. It's Cahill McCabe. Cahill sent us in a question. He's wondering, what's your opinion on the Packers receivers? And with Nelson getting paid, he is the clear number one in Green Bay. And how much do we think Cobble will get paid, or will he get extended? So... You know, I've given my opinion there on how good he is, but as a pair, the two of them, really, really uh, dynamic combination. It'll be interesting to see who becomes the starting tight end for the Packers this year. That'll, you know, add a little bit more to it. But the depth is one thing that you might be worried about in Green Bay. There's some players, you know, that are starting to make a name for themselves, but they haven't established themselves quite like Jordy has. But you look at Cobb, injured last season for quite a part of it. When he wasn't, when he wasn't injured and he wasn't the field, then he's a dynamic playmaker, no doubt about that. They're looking to get more from him, but I think uh, potential-wise, still huge, huge potential for Cobb. Looking now at the deal that, you know, they didn't know if they'd be able to keep both wide receivers in Green Bay with him and Nelson. You know, they have a big deal with Clay Matthews and they have a big deal with Aaron Rodgers, but I think now this deal is a little bit more team-friendly for Nelson. There's there's a lot of incentives in it for bonuses, which don't count against the cap. So I think there's possibility they might keep Cobb now, but... No doubt about it, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do this upcoming season. There's always been the talk around Cobb's potential, and I think this is the year that he hopefully uh-huh. steps up to the plate and shows what he can do at that elite level. 
Have you any varying opinions, DJ, on the kind of wide receiver positions in Green Bay or the Jordy Nelson contract? Well, I think it is a very good deal for the for the Green Bay Packers when you look at it overall. It's similar to contracts that have been given to other players at that position in the NFL. And I think he's going to have a very good season. I'm sure Clay Matthews will have another good season with the Packers. And yeah, hopefully Matthews can stay injury-free this year. A lot of injuries last year, but... That defence with Julius Peppers on board, a few other pieces added in, haha, Clinton Dix. Looking forward to seeing them progress this season. There's just another few little bits and pieces from around the NFL, I think. We should bring up, obviously, Ray Rice got a two-game suspension for the Baltimore Ravens. I tweeted out about it on the Overtime Ireland account when the news came out. I said, a little bit disappointed, you know. I don't want to see players, obviously, getting suspended and fined, but thought it should have been at least four games, if not maybe a little bit more. It just shows that I know there's rules in the NFL regarding drug use and so on. Do we see players in the NFL get suspended maybe four or six games for four or six games for performance enhancing substances or smoking pot or something and then you see a player domestic violence case and two game ban and you know, it doesn't all give a, a fair balance, I don't think, but again, maybe people say it's not to do with playing football, it's off the field and so on, so maybe the NFL or within their right in this situation, but something I thought maybe should have got a little bit longer of a ban from. The only thing is, he has a squeaky clean record, no previous offences and that, and maybe that helped him in this situation. But a two-game ban for Ray Rison might help Bernard Pierce maybe get a little bit of a chance in there now. Under the new offensive coordinator, we see Gary Kubiak coming in there as offensive coordinator after being with the Houston Texans last year as their head coach. So we'll see what happens there. But what did you make, DJ, off the two-game ban? Oh, come on, I'm going to put it very likely in calling the decision made by the top people in the NFL is farcical. I think while, I don't know, taking, taking drugs isn't any less of an offence or any more of an offence, in my opinion, compared with what Ray Rice done, I think what Ray Rice actually done would cause more damage to the NFL brand as a whole than some NFL player smoking a bit of marijuana or anything like that. I don't condone drug taken of any description but I also think that it's an incredibly lenient sentence or suspension by the NFL for a player who committed a clear act of domestic violence. Yeah it is one DJ I have to agree with you it's something you know that two games just seems very lenient for me but again the NFL was the NFL makes their own rulings on this situation and two game ban was what they ultimately decided and DJ when we're on you know, mentioned drug taking there. Obviously, there's two situations in the NFL at the minute. One of them is Justin Blackman, who got arrested once again. And uh, it really looks like his time in the league's done. Came in as one of the top picks in the draft a few years back and for the Jacksonville Jaguars and has got himself in another situation. So, sad for him. Doesn't seem to be able to get his priorities in order. Obviously, the NFL isn't his top priority. Maybe it's another situation. Maybe another way to look at it, DJ. But doesn't look like we'll be seeing Justin Blackman in the NFL again. And a player, DJ, who is in a similar situation as he as Justin Blackman was maybe this time last year and still has a chance to turn it all around to Josh Gordon and his hearing set for August 1st and be interesting to see what the ruling is in that there's rumours going around it could be six games rumours going around it could be a year so we'll all get a little bit more clarity on that shortly after August 1st or if the ruling is made on August 1st so we'll see what happens there a few other little bits of news days to go around and one of them is Vic Ballard suffered a torn Achilles at Colts training camp and it's a terrible setback for him. He's had a number of injuries over the last few years. He had a torn ACL last year and it looks like he's heading towards another surgery. A few tests have to be done just to confirm it at the time of recording, but 
Looks like he's heading to the season ending injury reserve list. So sad news there for Ballard and obviously a blow for the Indianapolis Colts heading into the season. Another player DJ injury regarding and has had to retire from the NFL is Carl Nix off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, it's always disappointing to see any player having to retire from the game and he is he was a very talented player and had an injury last year and ended up with an MRSI infection which a lot of people had many queries about about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what all was happening down there. Those three players got MRSI for them last year and it's a very, very serious infection. He has recovered from the infection, but he hasn't been able to regain the full power in his foot. He's having struggling pushing off and so on. As a lineman, that is very, very important and hasn't been able to get the power to do so. So he's had to call time on his NFL career. So wish Carl Nix all the best as he walks away from the NFL. So DJ, I think that there wraps up most of the NFL news that we had in the past week. We've gone through quite a bit there and obviously excited about the upcoming season. One of the things I was excited about this week was getting the opportunity to go to see the Planet of the Apes film watched actually only watched the last one Sunday a week ago and this Sunday got a chance to go in and watch it in 3D so it's quite an interesting experience the 3D element of it and you know uh, I don't know if you've seen either of the films DJ but they were it both really impressed me and the, the latest one was really really impressive if you haven't seen it uh, I would recommend going to see it and if you have seen it I'd love to hear on Twitter what you thought of off the film um, the computer generated I mean just you know the new work they've done with all the apes not in the film really really impressive uh, you kind of forget that they're they're not really apes and just a really 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 good film have you seen either of the films DJ? I've seen a bit of the first one but I don't know if I'd sit through the whole one I, so DJ's not recommending it while I'm recommending it highly. Well, I'm spending my Sundays watching sports of all varieties from the Commonwealth Games now going on over in Scotland to Gaelic football, Ireland now showing on Sky Sports and always great to get views from people in other countries who have just seen those sports for the first time. Yeah, it's a bit like us watching the NFL over here, DJ. Maybe Ireland will get a little bit bigger in the UK, but... No, well, we're all trying to find ways to pass our Sunday. I mentioned the last two weeks I've been watching Planet of the Apes then, and DJ's been watching a lot more different sports, but eh, only a few Sundays to go, DJ, till the NFL is here. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and continue to spread the word. As we get DJ now towards the end of the show, we're going to go through who's in the upcoming OTI Fantasy League coming up. But before that, DJ, anyone who's listening, if it's your first time listening, hope you've enjoyed the show. Hopefully you'll hit the subscribe button. Keep coming back each and every week. The show comes out each Tuesday. If you're a long-time listener, thanks for coming back once again. Keep do spreading the word. Do whatever you can on social media or just tell your friends in general. Listen to the show and keep spreading the word. Give us a comment or a written on any of the ways you can listen to the show and download multiple devices, subscribe multiple devices. Help keep spreading the word off Overtime Ireland. Thank you once again for your continued support as we continue to grow here at Overtime Ireland. But DJ will go in now, DJ, and we'll just announce the guys that have got into this year's league or had a draw. We had a lot of people interested in joining up. DJ, drum roll, please. So the first name, DJ, out of the hat was Tom Crockett. Tom will be in the league. He's one of the more recent followers of Overtime Ireland. Hope he's enjoying the show this week. Next up on the list is Billy O'Dwyer. Billy's a regular man for sending in questions to the show and He's very interested in getting involved, so look forward to getting Billy involved in the OTI League. Next up was Scott Larkin, a Denver Broncos fan, as his Twitter profile states, so hopefully he'll be looking forward to trying to draft maybe Peyton Manning as a quarterback this year. Next up, Brett Loveday, who also made his way into the Fantasy Football League. He's a man that was persistent and missed out in the Dynasty League and has made his way into this, so congratulations to Brett. 
Brian C is up next. Don't know what his surname is, but I guess it starts with C. And don't know what the C stands for, but hopefully as he joins the league, maybe we'll get more information on the surname of Mr. Brian C. One of the OTI writers, next guy up in it is Brett Allen. You can find him on Twitter. It's Brett Allen NFL. Does a little bit of writing for the site and looking forward to getting his pieces up as the season starts up again. Does the OTI betting articles for us, so look forward to reading through them, putting some of my money on the line. Michi Wooden also was interested. Got his name picked out of the hat, so he's another guy that's going to be in the running for the OTI Fantasy League this year. Trying to get down through the names now, DJ. A couple more to go. Cookie, you've heard his questions on the show a number of times in the Ask OTI sections. Cookie, you're the next man up. Next name, DJ. Dominic, no surname for Mr. Dominic here. He's on Twitter as Dominic. It's at underscore Alpha Force underscore to try and verify who, to try and verify him from all the other Dominics that entered. <laughs> and the guy DJ who's in our money league with, you know, our friends league. He's actually made it into this league too, so I'll look forward to beating him twice this upcoming season. I'm sure you will too, and that's Dan Sheeran. Look forward to whipping you once again, Mr. Sheeran. <laughs> and these are the last two competitors. Maybe not drawn quite out of the hat, let's say, but getting into the league due to connection purposes is myself and yourself. So (laughs) you have the two OTI guys getting into the league here and hopefully dominating this upcoming season. I'm putting my eyes on the prize and hopefully I'll be getting close to that trophy this season. So DJ, looking forward to this league? Yeah, Colin, really looking forward to it and hopefully be even more competitive than we were as a group last year. Yeah, DJ, a group last year, maybe we had some, maybe we didn't have all the agreements on who should be in the starting lineup, so this year, no excuses from either of us, both of us going in separately this year, and of course, we, this is the second OTI Fantasy League we have, there's also another an OTI Fantasy League where we'll be competing jointly as the Overtime Ireland team, and looking forward to getting both of them drafts up and running now in the next few weeks, we'll be getting in touch with everyone who got selected, and Hopefully it'll be a lot of fun and keep an eye on it on the Overtime Ireland Twitter feed. So that's wrapping us up for this week's show. Thanks to everyone for listening all the way through. If you've stuck with us this far, we'll be back next week. I mentioned JJ Burden will be our guest. If you have any questions you want to put to former NFL wide receiver playing for the Chiefs, JJ, get in touch with us on Twitter. Send us an email over to OvertimeIreland at gmail.com. What is the Twitter, DJ? It's at OvertimeIreland. Thanks as always for listening to the podcast. Until then, thanks once again for listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. I'm Colin. And I'm DJ. And until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.